Support for this podcast comes from the patrons at patreon.com slash Serlin. Hello and welcome to Serlin on Game Design, episode 15, Heroes of the Storm. And with me today is Ephodix and Leontes. Hi, guys. How's it going? Yo, Good yo, yo. To be back. Hey, we are here to talk about Heroes of the Storm. Are you excited? Yeah, actually. <laughs> it's been a while, but very excited. I've been looking forward to this like all week. Yeah, me too. So in the last year, there's been only maybe two games that really exceeded my expectations by a lot. And that was the Talos Principle, which yeah. I hope to cover in another episode, and Heroes of the Storm. It's really blown me away. It's quite a bit better designed, I guess, than I expected or something. Is that your general take too? I know you guys like it, but just design-wise, what's your overall review? Well, I think they took a really fun genre of game and then removed all the elements that made it really infuriating. So overall, I think it was pretty much reductionist design, but they did a good job of removing all the stuff that should have been removed. Yeah, I'm going to kind of go ahead and agree with that. It's like yeah. hearing about, you know, another MOBA after playing MOBAs for like 10 plus years. You're just like, man, maybe I'll pass on this one. But after like going over the mechanics and stuff, I was like, okay, well, it's Warcraft characters and stuff that I'm familiar with. But also you kind of stop being an apologist for other mechanics that are frankly terrible once you start playing a game like HOTS. <laughs> yeah, so I, I thought we would go through several of the mechanics, but actually first... I wanted to mention that it is a fair competitive game. And I feel like that should be one of the most important factors, even though people seem to not care about it. But that's really important to me, that it's an even play field game. Like when the game starts, when the match starts, you don't have a material advantage over other players because you grinded more or paid more. You don't. But that is the case in other games like Hearthstone or League of Legends. Both of those, I think, are really undermining the point of competition. So just wanted to give thumbs up to Blizzard on Heroes of the Storm, but not on Hearthstone for caring about fair competition. And it's also worth noting that on the topic of forced grind in competitive games, meaning like you have to play a bunch of hours in order to get the full power level. So League of Legends does have that. And Heroes of the Storm, did it have it or not? Well, sort of it's a little confusing it's one of the only games where i wanted to give it a grade that wasn't an f and it wasn't an a either there's this talent gating thing where you don't start with all the talents of your character and you you get them like by playing a few games but it's it was so fast it was only like three Mm -hmm. games or something so few games that it felt like they wanted it to be as close to zero as possible but they wanted a new player experience to not overwhelm you as opposed to like we want to withhold relevant gameplay from you for 100 hours or something like that and then even that minimal amount which was like maybe okay or maybe not like i give them like a b grade or b plus or something Mm -hmm. they removed even that so now there is no forced grind at all zero literally zero and no pay for power yeah, they actually kind of stepped back on it twice. Like originally they had talent gating for every hero regardless. Then they said, well, we'll move talent gating for level 30 accounts and up. And then they just removed it completely like a week or two ago. So yeah, they just kept on reiterating on that. I think it was level I don't know, 25, yeah, but yeah. Maybe. Uh, okay, anyway, so what Aphotix was saying, I think, was that it stripped away a lot of kind of bad things. And... I just wanted to touch on like, well, why are there so many things that we think are bad 
in this genre. And it's just an accident of history. It's that the beginning of all this was Dota, which was a mod to the Warcraft 3 engine. And it's not like they had the ability to try out like, oh, what if we change these mechanics around? Let's try it one way. Let's try it another and then choose the best one. It's like they were just kind of stuck with the limitations of the Warcraft 3 engine. And that's why we have a lot of these things still. So it took a lot of guts. Like, I think the one reason this exceeded my expectations so much is that I feel like it's really bold to finally have some company stand up and say, look, there's a lot of just bullshit that we need to cut out. (laughs) The average MOBA player is like a huge apologist for why we need all this cruft when I don't think a lot of these things are the reason that those games are interesting. They're just getting in the way of that. Yeah, like we talked about that in the previous podcast about StarCraft and about execution, which is kind of what led to this discussion to begin with. But I'm talking to players who say like, no, if you remove all these terrible things that are UI failures or like engine quirks that, you know, <laughs> you'd somehow have a worse StarCraft than you would if you removed them all. Yeah, it's, it's very similar. And so here's the proof is in the pudding. Here it is. Here's the game where they removed stuff that we think was bad and we can see the result. I think the result's fantastic. So, okay, first thing on the list, last hits. So maybe a Photix, you could explain what does that mean? How does that go down in other MOBAs? Okay, so in a traditional MOBA like League of Legends or Dota, when your minions are fighting each other, they're going to naturally be whittled down. And then in order to gain the gold from that minion dying, which is very important to buy items in those games, you have to be the one that deals the fatal damage. So basically, as it's getting whittled down, you got to time it such that you get the last hit on the minion. It's a really high execution barrier, actually. Most players, even decent ones, will miss quite a few last hits. And it makes a huge difference in the outcome of the game, whether you can do this or not. So in HOTS, it's completely non-existent. There is no such concept as dealing the fatal damage to a unit in order to get something additional from it. Yeah. So on the plus side of last hits, it means there's more to the game, right? There's another layer of things to think about, another layer of skill. I mean, that's objectively correct, I think. Right. Yeah. I mean, it adds another test to the game. That is true. Yeah. It's another skill test. But as we have covered many times in this podcast, adding more and more skill tests is not necessarily good because you can add skill tests that are like crazy or that make no sense or that really shouldn't be part of what the game is about. So we could also add, you know, maybe you have to clear a few lines of Tetris in order to pick your character. (laughs) Yeah. Then there would be a more skill test. So there is a skill test involved in this last hits thing, but I think it is a really bad place to put that skill. And the reason it's bad is that it creates unintuitive, annoying, strange combat just all the time. So I see some enemies and I want to attack them. Oh, I did the wrong thing. I attacked them, you know. Like I took him from 100% hit points. I did massive damage. I got him down to only 10% hit points. And that was a huge blunder, right? Sure. If if, if my opponents are nearby. Sure. And another, another thing about the last hitting that's really frustrating, especially as someone who's played a ton of MOBAs, let's say I'm playing the carry role. Carry meaning the person who wants all the last hits, tries to get all the items. Yeah. If I'm playing the carry role, I'm really good at last hitting. That's awesome. And maybe my buddy will be supporting me because he's not so good at last hitting. And the support player should never get a last hit unless the carry is not present for some reason. If I then want to swap roles, like maybe my friend goes, hey, that character looks fun. I want to try them. We will now fail miserably just because he's not practicing this skill that pretty much is irrelevant to all the gameplay he was doing before. 
Like it's, 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 it's so counterintuitive and weird to think that you attacked the enemy units and did a lot of damage and that that was a stupid move. So we, we gave, you know, two examples of why, like in yours, it's, you really need all the XP and gold to go to the right character, right? Right. On your, on your team. And then also not yeah, go to the enemy of team. Not going to the enemy <laughs> team. The other side of the coin is the deny system. Um, I'm not sure if League of Legends even has that anymore. Right. I, I never played League, honestly. Okay, I think that no, might have been part of their guys. like. It's just Dota two, right? So denies are right, the Dota same 2. thing, except what makes for you know quotations in the air interesting in deep combat is that while you're trying to last hit your opponent's uh, units by you know whittling them down and getting the final blow. They're trying to prevent you from doing that. And the way that they do that is by killing their own units themselves. In which case, you know, there's like this little threshold where you can only attack your own units when they're below a certain percentage of health. And if you can get the last hit on your own ally, then you deny the opponent a little bit of experience and all the gold they potentially could have got from that. And that's weird, right? Is that like a thematically flavorful, interesting concept? Or is that just like <laughs> insane? No, it's a it's a huge fail in in basically any game it appears like it's set up so that you think, oh, I have my own guys that are helping me, but actually you should be killing your own guys constantly. It's, it's, it's totally bizarre. And so it also appears in oh, yeah. Summoner Wars for uh, tabletop game fans. And that game, if you kill the opposing unit, it'll go to your magic pile, which gives you resources. But what if your unit might die? You're like, I don't want it to go to the other player's magic pile. So if you kill your own unit, then you yeah. get that resource. And as soon as you hear that rule, the, the very first thought would be like, well, does it mean that I want to kill my own units a lot? In that game, lot? the answer is actually yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it turns out overall, yes. And it depends on the matchup and what faction you're playing. But I believe it's Phoenix Elves that extremely wants to kill their units. Shadow Elves too. Just like to the max. Like, is this all about killing your own units? This, it leads to unintuitive, stupid gameplay. Like, what is going on where it's this war game that's really all about <laughs> killing your units? It's the opposite of what it seems like should be going on. And prominent Summoner Wars player, Water D, really likes that game a lot and tried to fix some issues with it and from just day one i was like you know can you just not be able to kill your own units okay. <laughs> like just get rid of deny and of course players who love that game have all sorts of reasons why that doesn't work or something and water d who got super good at that game part of his new rule set was like just that just okay you can't you, <laughs> you can't kill your own units and there's like two specific cards where that kind of sucks for so we'll just change like yeah, tiny like, thing yeah. on two cards in the entire game. And then everything worked fine. So that gives hope to other games <laughs> like the MOBA genre. Like, hey, what if you just remove deny? And uh, the argument in favor of it, that it makes there be so much more going on, you know, so much more to be aware of. Yes, but if that's what you need to make your game interesting, it's just kind of pathetic. Like, can't combat itself be interesting? Can't the game be interesting without a really backwards, unintuitive form of combat right now i'm just imagining if we added denies to other games maybe in counter-strike we could add denies where <laughs> if, hey, hey hey buddy wait you're at 20 life hold on they might yeah. they might get the 500 dollars from how does counter-strike fix that like that. giving you like negative 15 grand or something if you tk yeah 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 you so yeah if you team kill in counter-strike yeah. you get massively penalized uh which is what it should be not rewarded and have your teammates oh, yeah, praise okay. your your skill I was just picturing it in a real <laughs> war now, too. <laughs> uh, troops, yeah, there's there's a giant like, scoreboard floating in the all. screen above No Man's <laughs> Land in the middle of World War III, and there's just every time you get a frag, like the number goes up on your side. 
and whoever wins the war is the first one to get to like six million or something. We're making jokes about war now. This isn't cool. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Last Hits and Deny are both just such flavor fails and such like just terrible things for a game to be about when there's so many more ways to make combat interesting. This should lead into gold and items, really. And when Dota was kind of new, when it was still kind of getting big, but it wasn't anywhere near what it is now, some people would ask me, hey, what do you think about Dota? And I just had on my desktop like a link ready to send anyone that asked this that was a diagram of the item chart in Dota, which is a huge, complicated web. It's just a clusterfuck of craziness. And I would send them that picture. And I thought that it didn't really need explanation. Like that picture was made itself evident that this was a terrible game. <laughs> that it was way overly complicated. Now it turns yeah. out I was wrong and, and that people are totally fine with convoluted complex item system. But forever, I just hated this idea. I hated having to go to a shop. I double hate the secret shop. Couriers. Yeah, right. Couriers, just everything about it. So... What do you guys think about there not being items? So, I mean, I think there's kind of a lot to this. I like it. Like I'm rooting for this idea that there's no items, but it's not, it's not just about the elegance. Why don't you guys talk about the dynamics of what's going on here with items versus no items? I mean, as you were kind of just saying about the complexity of the item tree in Dota or even in League of Legends, I mean, the new player experience is so much better with talents. You know, if I have a choice between A or B or C or D, and that's it. And I can just clearly read what those do. And then I don't have to worry about it ever again. And not what is it going to lead into later? Or, you know, what items synergize with what other items? If I could just pick my talent and then forget about it for the rest of the game, that is so much easier for a new player. So already just for the new player experience alone, I think it's a huge victory. Yeah, not only that, though, like one of the strangest parts about Dota is like there's just like lots of ups and downs of when there's action and when there's not action. There's downtime and time to make items and combine them and use the career and all these other things you got to maintain. But in Here's the Storm, though, like you just level up and then a thing just blinks at you and says, hey, push a button. And, you know, you have situations in Here's the Storm, like you get your, your heroic abilities at level 10, where you'll be like walking into a fight at level 9 and you'll be able to pretty much select your heroic during the fight because it's so intuitive and simple as you hit level 10 to just select the thing and now you can do the thing without having to find a shop. And yeah, it's just one click on, on yeah, two options. Yeah, exactly. And like, you don't have to go find a <laughs> shop and make sure you have an item slot available and tell the monkey to go home and make sure your friend's not using the monkey. And it's just so much, so many more layers to items that again, you know, people are going to, to argue that, well, that's like depth and complexity and it's, it's all these other things. But I, I think that if you're going to do like a progression system, that is not like pre-game, like we talk about uneven playfield uh, versus even playfield. And MOBAs are, we're all level one, and then we go up and grow up in different ways during the game. I think talents are a much better way to do that than item builds, just because the complexity is not there. And that's the best way I've seen so far to do it. I'm sure there are other ways, but Here's the Storm kind of has it solid. Yeah, let me see if I can explain what I mean here, see if you guys know what I'm talking about. That I'm mean, okay. Don't think about any specific talents or any specific items. This is a looking at it for, at the system sure. level, just as a as a concept of how to make a system. So if you have a bunch of items and a whole tree of how they're interconnected, there's kind of no way around the end product. There is of the billions of billions of combinations. There's really just going to be a few builds that you care about, right? I mean, there's just a huge amount of inherent inefficiency. 
And that's why it's such a problem for new players. Like here's this you know huge wall of complexity. And then as you get better, you're going to realize, oh, you can just like only care about a few things <laughs> or a few pads in that. But then why is there all yeah. this cruft? So, well, the, so that, that reminds me exactly. of like a collectible card game, right? Like 99% of every <laughs> card is terrible. And same goes for, you know, all the hundreds of thousands of different item builds you can have. Most of those. And by most, I mean like 99%. Yeah, I'd rather just play a Yomi deck, you know? Right. So pruning the cruft. So that's only half my point. The other half is that by doing it through talents, that are specific to each character. It isn't just that we removed a bunch of complexity that we kind of didn't need. We actually got a real benefit on top of that. And that's that the talents can be tuned exactly. per character. Like if a character is weak in a certain way, you could have talents that address that or has a certain matchup that's really bad. You could theoretically have a talent that addresses that. But in the same kind of situation where you don't have talents and you have an item tree, that could be just a disaster. Yeah, changing a single item. Yeah, a sweeping balance like issues across the board when you have like a hundred heroes who can interact with that item in different ways. Changing an item is one of the scariest things in Dota. Right. Imagine if it, Hero Thirty Six was the one we we're talking about. I'm like, you know, in Hero Thirty Six, got a real tough time against Hero Twenty Five. Uh, let's add a new item that Hero Thirty Six will use. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> and you're like, oh, really? Just that hero will use. Actually, that has, like you said, game wide imp implications. Like you just kind of can't use the item system to do what I'm saying, but you can very much use a talent system. It has a big advantage in tuning while it's also so much simpler. Like I just I can't really imagine playing a game with as many items as the other MOBAs after seeing yeah. Heroes of the Storm. I think another way of saying that would be that character design when you have items is actually anchored to the items that exist it really limits your space but if it's just individualized talents you could do whatever the hell you want yeah that sounds right like, that's why you have like insane heroes and here's the storm like abathur murky lost vikings that can have really polarizing designs because they're not sharing a group of you know progressive upgrades that every other character deals with they just have their own stuff and they can be balanced their own way and that's actually what leads them to be able to create wonky characters like those. So you have a really good point there. I guess we move on to the next thing, unless there was more on that. But uh, I was going to say that getting rid of individual XP and going for shared XP is also a huge change. Also, getting rid of gold entirely and also shared XP. Mm -hmm. So what do you guys think about that? Well, shared XP is just fantastic. Again, as someone who's played a lot of MOBAs, I've played thousands of games of League of Legends and then... A lot of Heroes of New Earth, not so much Dota 2, but Heroes of New Earth, at least during the time I played it, was basically an exact clone of Dota. You know, in those games, half the character's entire job is to suck, to just go around, be one-third of the power of the most powerful characters on your team. We call those supports. You know, they're dropping vision wards everywhere. They're just there to make somebody else way stronger. Mm -hmm. You know, like, rather than trying to split it evenly... The whole point is to put all of your eggs in one basket or in two baskets. And that leads to a very niche playstyle that a lot of people despise. And when you have shared XP like Heroes of the Storm does, you remove that problem because now it doesn't matter if I'm the support or if I'm the assassin or no matter what I am, I'm going to be progressing equally and my character is intended to be able to stand up to everyone else no matter what the situation is. Yeah, that's pretty much dead on. Like There are players, like to not really devil's advocate here a little bit, but there are players out there who would argue that, and it's not I'm not one of them, <laughs> that individual XP, though, allows individual players to then be able to show off their own skills and to influence games in a much more 
singular fashion. But I almost don't like that. I, I really enjoy the aspect of, you know, a MOBA being a team fight oriented, team composition dependent, like everyone is kind of working together in a five versus five PvP battle. Like I like that it's the entire team has to carry its weight. And it also has the second benefit of having the new player not have this huge issue of difference in skill, having them caught like falling so far behind in power level. Like you said, if you have a newer player playing one of those support characters in a game like League or Dota versus really strong players playing carries, it's extremely hard for them to stay relevant or even to have fun playing the game. So having a system where you have the shared XP means that, yeah, they stay relevant for the whole game and they can actually learn how to get better through that system like on its own. It's like just helpful for casuals too. And to adjust one thing you mentioned, you could have a team game where an individual player can showcase a lot of skill. It I just agree. depends how you design the exactly. game. Exactly. For example, uh, you know, I use Counter-Strike a lot because it's one of my favorite games, but in Counter-Strike, everyone's symmetric, everyone's equal power, and yet a single player can show off immense amounts of skill and have a huge impact. It just depends on how you want to design the game. Right, right. But you certainly do not need this Level you know disparity. asymmetric yeah asymmetric you know power disparity as the game goes on in order to create that that is yeah that's just like lazy design yeah, and that's what the people are like apologizing for and they say stuff like that it's like well when i'm doing better i want to be stronger than everybody else in the game it's like well if you were just better you know in a chess or counter-strike fashion wouldn't you just win like do you really need these like serious you know upgrades to your mathematical stats and stuff like no not really you shouldn't yeah, I agree with that. That it's just not a very good argument, really, yeah. in the first place. That an excellent player can show their skill, and like you guys said, it's not really necessary that they have better stats. They just need to ha have better results. If they get a bunch of kills, isn't that good enough? They should be able to do that, you know, if they're an assassin type Indeed, character or yeah. something. But let me flip this around and think of it the other side of it. So in most team games, if you have X players on your team and you had the opportunity to have, say, X plus one players, like you know, an extra player. It would only benefit you, I mean, in most games, even if the player wasn't that good. But MOBAs are like completely the opposite of that, right? Yeah. Like when you have a bad player on your team, it's way, way worse than if you could just get rid of them and have them not be there. Exactly. And it's because of this whole thing about XP feeding. Like if they're in League of Legends or something, if they're, if they're in a particular lane and they're dying over and over, then they're feeding the opponent in that lane xp and that opponent can get incredibly more powerful and so that since the effect that i just mentioned there is so strong that means the effect of hating your teammates is basically magnified yeah. which is a chronic problem in mobas people hate their teammates in that genre more than any other genre i've ever heard of by a huge margin oh yeah and it's not even remotely close <laughs> yeah yeah and this right here this is one of the big reasons for that it's that the badness that you bring is magnified enormously <laughs> because of this feeding thing. Yeah. And that problem is really minimized when you have this shared XP thing. Like if I am bad and I die three times in a row or something, so what effect did that have on the opponent's team? Well, the XP that, that I'm giving away, I mean, that's bad. We don't want to give away XP, but it was basically like divided amongst their team rather than concentrated into one person who will be pretty much unbeatable. Mathematically you know, unbeatable, right. not even like skill-wise unbeatable. It's just, oh yeah, this guy three shots me because stats. Yeah, so I think I guess, that's, that's an important point is that you, you guys are talking about the showing the skill on the high side, but it's also just saving pubs from hating each other. Right, right. 
or pro teams for mating each other <laughs> yeah. or whatever. It's pretty amusing, too, because I was actually playing a couple of games of Heroes of the Storm before, and, you know, there's still flaming going on even in Heroes of the Storm. But I think it's actually just because of the collective conscious of MOBA players. Like, I feel like, yeah, that's like they go in expecting it because of every other MOBA ever made. But I genuinely feel like Heroes of the Storm basically wouldn't have that if people weren't playing all these other MOBAs and and been trained. Yeah, they weren't bringing it with them, right? I mean, if you go to other genres, and again, I'll go to Counter-Strike, it just so rarely happens because at the end of the day, if my teammate's not very good, well, he'll still do something useful, even if it's not much. Take bullets uh, so I can you kill know, the rest like of Sir- Right, exactly. <laughs> like Serlin said, it's really nearly unique to traditional MOBAs where it can be a downside to have another player on your team. And the thing is, that happens in most games. It's not like an uncommon occurrence. In most games, there's going to be someone doing really poorly who you would rather not have around at all. And that is just such a disaster. Like, I think that as much as any other design flaw of traditional MOBAs is like a complete deal breaker. It's so bad. Yeah, it even happens in like pro level games. Like that same like, you know, slippery slope snowball effect starts to happen. And then you have, you're waiting like 20 minutes for the game to actually come to fruition when you, sometimes you just kind of know it's already over. So I've heard the argument that all the things we've talked about so far only apply to low skill pub games and they don't have anything to do with high level play. So I just like to explicitly disagree with that. And that if I were one of the best mobile players in the world, I absolutely would have to care about last hitting everything at pro level play. And it would still be just as stupid as if I'm bad at the game. (laughs) I would still have to care about deny. I would still have a clusterfuck of an item shop, even if I knew how to navigate it really well. That I can navigate it well doesn't mean that I would want it. True. (laughs) Uh, We still have the same problems of not having a talent system where the talent system allows the developer to tailor you know little adjustments to one character without ruining the others and then even the shared xp thing so that it helps a lot at the low skill level but i think even at the pro level it's better it's also way better for spectators in my opinion and just glance at the game there's a huge number 15 or something and that's the level of the team yeah it's very easy to understand you know i go a step farther than you though and i'd say let's go to a fake universe where we'll give them that let's say none of this does matter pro play Okay. I'll say, okay, great. It's still garbage and terrible because (laughs) that summarizes 0.0001% of players to the point where it's nearly irrelevant. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, because there's millions of players. I mean, literally millions of players. And how many of them are at the pro level? That's your point. Okay, let's move on to other things that I think are pretty exciting here, like short games. How about that? I'm a huge fan of the game length of Heroes of the Storm being I love it. 20 okay. minutes yeah. instead of, what, I don't know, 45 40 minutes or something. Yeah, or to 60. It, it just feels so long. And Heroes of the Storm being 20 minutes feels really right to me. I'm also really impressed with how close it is to 20 minutes so often. Right, right. Like 19, 20, 21, it really seems somehow be tuned to end around there some, all the let time. Let me find some personal data on that while you guys keep talking yeah it's actually i think that's due to their objectives that they have on their maps it's timed out such that you know maybe the fifth uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of making up numbers here but maybe the fifth objective take is just gonna end the game and that happens around 20 minutes just automatically so it kind of forces the game to end in a certain amount of time yeah and also your characters are becoming relatively more powerful compared to the towers and the enemy core over time once you get to past 20 minutes, your relative power of your character is so high compared to towers that you're going to be able to push to their core. 
Right, especially when you combine that with the longer death timers as you get higher levels. Oh, yeah, that's also very important. If your team and my team were very close in skill, it would still be really hard to stalemate forever because we're going to battle and someone's going to die, right? Like even if we're close in skill, I mean, there's going to be kills. And then that's a tipping point because if one or two of my team dies, then now they're gone for like a minute or something at that right. mm. level. And if we, when I have team members gone for a minute as opposed to, say, 20 seconds, and meanwhile, you are easily able to destroy a tower like nothing. I mean, how could you not end the game? So there's this inevitability that counteracts stalemates. It did a really good job on So I'm looking at my own data and I have... Strangely, exactly 900 games play. That's kind of cool. But my average length of game for most of my characters is like barely over 20 minutes. Like 20 minutes and 38 seconds and 21 minutes and 20. And that's like for like 30 characters. It's all around 20 minutes. That's I didn't even think of that, like how close that actually was. Yeah, it's like it's surprising how close it is. Yeah, that, I'm, I'm surprised right now. Like that's so cool. Uh, so map objectives existing at all. Seems like a great idea. So it has a huge fun factor. Mm -hmm. For that reason alone, I like it. But it's also just good dynamics, I think, because it encourages conflict five-on-five fights, uh, which is intense and exciting. It pushes the game towards an inevitable end. I think one of my favorite things that maybe we haven't discussed before about map objectives is that the asymmetry of those objectives on different maps actually really broadens the spectrum of playable characters mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because certain characters are going to excel at certain objectives on certain maps. What do you and mean the asymmetry know, of them? What is? What do you mean by asymmetry? Well, I mean though? like I mean the fact that every objective on each map is very different in what characters are going to be strong at oh, taking between maps, like on one right. map. Yeah. Right. Oh, I yeah. see. Yeah. Not within maps. Right. So it really broadens the amount of viable characters in the overall game because you know ahead of time what map's going to be played, so you can pick your team based around that map, and different characters are good on different maps, meaning that. You can have a character that's not very good on one map, but very good on another. And that's perfectly okay, in my opinion, because, you know, in a game with 40 or 50 characters, they're not all going to be good all the time. So I think it's a neat way of including more characters in the overall competitive gameplay experience. It's funny you mention that because I like an opposite thing about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the other <laughs> camp too. Yeah. I like that when I squint my eyes, they're basically all the same. I think that's a good thing. I think that there's a lot of different maps, but it's not hard to understand or learn any map because they're all basically everyone bunched together and do the thing and then you get a powerful dude that helps you. And they could have been just radically different, like changing the game type or something. But they chose to have all the maps be pretty much the same game. I mean, there's still three lanes. You played Towers <laughs> you of still, Doom yet? Yeah, I've played all of them. But the yeah, there's, there's Towers still, of Doom with the Bell still, Towers and the objective. It's still the objective. I know it. Yeah, I, you're right. I know it very well. Yeah, so there's there's still lanes and there's still towers. And even that, is, if you squint your eyes, is pretty similar. I mean, you do the objective and then instead of getting a guy, you get points, which is the same as getting a guy that got you points. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a fan of them having so much variety within a very narrow range. I think that was the right call. The other possible calls they could have made were no variety, <laughs> which is the normal thing to do, or variety where the maps are like entirely different games. And that would have been just off-putting to me. I would, have, I would have felt like, oh, now I'm overwhelmed, but I'm not. It's the, the exact level of variety they chose to have is a positive Right. You're saying that if they had had like one map was just a regular Dota map and then the next one was like just deathmatch and the first team to get 30 kills wins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> right, just deathmatch. That would be yeah. That's that's I see. so different I see. that I wouldn't know what to do anymore. So I mean, it's interesting that I like that they're all similar, and Photix likes that they're all different. So well, I think I think the beauty of that is that it doesn't take a lot to affect what characters are going to excel. For example, on the uh, Blackheart Bay map. The fact that the bottom lane is farther away from the rest of the map means that pushing characters are just better enough where you're more likely to pick them on that map as opposed to another map because you're going to have more of a window to push down before, you know, you can get counter engaged on or whatever. It really doesn't take much to change the viability of a character that could take a character that's normally not worth using and make them good enough where you could at least use them. Which, again, sure. it just adds variety where other MOBAs simply can't do it. Or that one where the shrines spawn a bunch of lame guys that you're supposed to kill. Like, if your character is good at killing a lot of lame guys, then that's right. a, pl- a plus for you. But then on Towers right. of Doom, it's really just clicking on a thing It's more zone-oriented, while enemies are attacking yeah. you. So, right, yeah, you'd want to be, yeah, if you're a good zoner or something, that's a better level for you. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm kind of in the position where, I mean, I'm going to say that I do love that there's lots of different maps in Heroes of the Storm, but I'm the kind of person who, like, I don't play Smash Brothers because there are more, there's lots of stages, and the fact that sometimes characters are better on certain stages than other stages, like, I kind of don't like that. Like, I'm, I'm more of a person who would like to just play a character that has a complete toolkit all the time, like in a fighting game, and have that kind of work, but I don't know if that philosophy really applies to MOBA, so... <laughs> I know like a lot of people would disagree with me on that point, but I think Heroes of Storm does it as well as possible. You know? I agree with you on that point, and so where I'm coming from is that even though I accept that some characters are better than others on certain maps, it just seems all within mission parameters. Like, like yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What Smash Brothers is just way more extreme. I mean, those levels are crazy. The levels are... Yeah often more important than the character like you're fighting the level half the time because (laughs) it's all lava and it's spinning and turning upside down so like the level is is way more in your face in in smash than any of these uh, heroes of the storm levels well not only is that true but also a smash character is much more complex to learn and master so it's also a higher cost to try to swap to a different character yeah, that's one MOBA thing. Like, I find it very, very easy in a game like Heroes of the Storm. Like, maybe not so much in Dota, right? Or Heroes of New Earth. But I feel like I can pretty much play every character. Like, there are some characters I do excel at. But I like that they give you enough complexity in the gameplay itself rather than just a lot of little execution tests like last hits and denies. It's more about having good, you know, MOBA sense and just knowing where to position yourself, where to be, what objectives are important. How not to make mistakes, how to capitalize on opponents' mistakes. And th- those are like MOBA things that kind of translate from character to character. And they've kind of eased up the execution for a lot of the characters to the point where I can pretty much just grab anybody and my skill level kind of comes out. So comparing it to like a fighting game, like you said, if I'm just a, a really good Ness in like Smash Brothers, and that's like the only character I play, I can't really just pick whoever based on the map that we're on and like do well. So that's that's a pretty good point. But like, Here's the Storm does a really good job of making it pretty unanimous. Like, I can just play anybody. That's good. Do you like your character starting with several abilities? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't like skill builds yeah, in Dota. Okay. I don't like them at all. I mean, I think we could chalk that up to another archaic thing that simply only exists because the Warcraft 3 heroes had it and did it. Yeah. And it. I mean, it was okay in the actual RTS Warcraft 3 because, you know, I mean, these units can't be that powerful when the game starts. But for Dota, where that is your whole thing, there's no army to go with it. It's just so silly that you have one button when you start the game. It kind of reminds me. Yeah, it's just 
It sounds like a joke. Oh, it reminds me of some things too, but I'll let you go first. Well, see if we say the same thing. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the whole like Dominion versus Puzzle Strike thing, right? Where you start. You're gonna say <laughs> That's that exactly. Yeah, exactly. I gonna, yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, totally. So you you go ahead. Your game. Uh, so, okay. Well, so in Dominion, you start with the ten cards in your starting deck, and three of them basically don't do anything. And then Puzzle Strike, the same corresponding three cards are your character actions, and they do all sorts of things. It's like as far opposite as you can get. Let's have a exciting start and part of that was inspired by a downside of starcraft why is it in starcraft the first few minutes are like incredibly boring like shouldn't we get to the fight more quickly like in a fighting game or counter-strike or i don't know practically any other game like boring starts are bad for competition what's so interesting is that apparently starcraft agrees because (laughs) in the latest version of starcraft you start with 12 probes instead of six or four in the old days, or one, what one in the very old days, the evolution is towards faster and faster start. So having a full set of abilities instead of one ability just seems like a given. Like I just can't yeah. believe we're still and, starting. And with then one. to compound on that, right? Like we talked about game length and getting quick starts. Like not only do you start with a character that has tons of stuff it can do from level one, but in most Heroes of Storm maps, I believe the objective like begins at like the two minute mark. Or, like, the first objective happens. Like, at a minute 30, it tells you, hey, guys, 30 seconds till hype happens, you know, and go for it. You know, get in there. Don't be spending 20 minutes farming items and and waiting for the end, the mid to end game to actually enjoy playing this, like, brawler game. So here's another reason why short game time is good. It's analogous to how many hit points you have in a fighting game. Here's a statement I'll make. I don't know of any fighting game ever that has too few hit points (laughs) but i know of a lot of fighting games that have too many hit points when you have too many hit points like capcom versus snk1 for example Mm. where you can pick four ratio one characters and have just a million hit points or marvel versus capcom 2 really cvs1 is even a worse example when you have that many hit points what it means is it's possible to get so far ahead that it's hopeless for the other person. So it creates lame duck gameplay where they're still playing the game, but they're just so far behind, there's no hope. So then at that point, your choices are, as a designer, do nothing. Just accept that a lot of times your game is incredibly unhype and that the outcome is decided way ahead of time, but people have to play it out anyway. Or you add comeback factors to the game to mitigate this. But that's more design, more complexity, kind of more things to go wrong so the simpler more elegant solution is to have a shorter game have fewer hit points like in super turbo street fighter when the opponent has 100 of their hit points they are almost dead yes <laughs> because at any moment i mean like an easy combo does 50 percent. you could just explosively win at any moment in that game so it doesn't need extra comeback factors and that's what's going on i think with short game time in Heroes of the Storm versus, say, League of Legends, where game time is much longer, is you have this like horrible, long, lame duck phase that's now very much minimized. Uh, there's stats that I know they're years old, and I'm sure the game has changed now, but at one point, a pretty comprehensive analysis of League of Legends showed that at the, I believe it's the 10-minute mark, teams that were 10% head in gold had a 90% win rate. Oh, wow. Even though games take 45 minutes, so it means... 
like just being a little bit ahead after 10 minutes is like kind of all that mattered. And the rest of the game is just like waiting to see if one side will make a horrible blunder. But if they don't, then that's the outcome. So that's really bad. If you shrink it all down to 20 minutes, yeah, <laughs> you've just automatically reduced the problem. I mean, you could do more to reduce the problem, but that's a good start. They, they kind of did do a little bit more. Like there actually are comeback mechanics built in here as the storm. Like when your team is down on experience, like if the other team is like level 17 and you're 15, like you actually get experience bonuses for like killing enemy heroes. Like it just helps to close the gap a little bit. Do you? Yes, you do. I didn't know yes, that. Yes, you do. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, you could just think of it this way. Uh, the higher level you are, the, the more XP you're worth. Yeah. So it's really important oh. for, oh, right. it's really important for the team that's in the lead to play even tighter. They have to prove like in Heroes of the Storm that they deserve this win by not making mistakes for the rest of the game because like the other team's got to go like YOLO. They have to take risks and they have to overextend to try and get kills but if the team that's in the lead makes a horrible mistake and like loses you know two heroes to two heroes in a team fight that's actually a huge win for the team that's down and they gain like exponentially more experience than they would uh, otherwise so that's actually kind of built in already i mean that seems kind of necessary because the alternative would be snowball but yeah a very powerful positive feedback loop which yes. is also called snowballing you're ahead and then being ahead makes you more powerful and then being more powerful lets you get more ahead, and that compounds to a huge degree. So having some factor go the other way sounds really smart. Yeah, and then the map objectives do that too. And you, you win a key team fight, and that allows you to take the boss, or it allows you to, to take a bruiser camp or something, and now you can swing the momentum in your favor. There's a famous How like, does that meme. do that, though? What's that? Well, why do you think that does that? Because if, if my team is ahead of your team, if there's an objective, then aren't I just more able to get the objective than you? Somewhat. So like, how does it I mean, help the comeback? I guess what I would say is that it's easy enough to harass a team that's attempting to get those objectives that it really has to mm -hmm. be a, like, I have, like, wiped most of your team before I can attempt it. And if you just play safe on both sides of the, of the coin, like, then it's kind of okay. Like, I wouldn't consider... Yeah, I think... Yeah, good. I think the way to put it is that a lot of the objectives, you know, particularly, like, let's say a boss where the boss is going to be actually fighting against both teams or, you know, any of the objectives where you're actually engaging with some sort of NPC that's fighting back is that they're actually an equalizer towards one team having an advantage because typically, you know, if this boss is pounding on the more powerful team, then that kind of makes up the difference of the less powerful team being less powerful. And since the more powerful team is going to be inclined to take objectives to end the game, that, that puts them at a greater risk than if they were to just to try to ignore the objectives. But the reward is still worth doing. Basically, it's the perfect balance between they're worth doing, so we're going to try to do them anyway. But it opens more of a window for people to sneak in a quick kill here or there because we're getting attacked by this third party that's still powerful and could still jeopardize our lead. Well, I think what... Yeah, that makes sense. I see it now. Yeah. Well, I thought your point was more so that, well, what if you have like boss mechanics like that and the team that's in the lead is just crushing and then they take the boss? Is that good? Well, it kind of leads the game towards inevitability, right? So... If a team is that far ahead and that much better than the other team, then there should be ways for them to end the game without it being a lame duck scenario. Like, <laughs> yeah, I so mean, that's good. That's too, that's yeah. why I, I'm in favor of boss and mechanics. Like, we've all had games where we're down, like we're like level seven when they hit ten, and then it's just, oh, I wish this was over. And then that one is actually over in like twelve to thirteen minutes. It's like by the time you realize, it's like okay, there's almost no chance of us coming back. The game ends like right then and there, not ten minutes into the game. We're down ten percent gold. Might as well concede because the numbers don't lie. <laughs> you know. Also, there's a really quick anecdote, and this is from many years ago, probably like seven or eight years ago. I remember when I was first getting into Heroes of New Earth, I was looking into the pro scene, 
And there was one game took about 75 minutes. One team lost two out of their three sets of barracks, meaning that the super minions were pushing down two of their three lanes. But they had a couple of really strong late game characters on their team. So they literally just sat around their base, killed these waves, just turtled up enough where the team couldn't finish their base off. And after about 30 minutes of doing nothing except sitting there, just stopping their base from dying, they got one good fight and then ended up winning the game. And people celebrated that as like this crazy, awesome thing. But they forget about the fact that for the past 30 minutes, nothing happened. (laughs) In Heroes of the Storm, if you tried to do that, the golem on the, the graveyard map or the cannons on the pirate map will just kill you and we won't have to deal with that ever. It's impossible. Yeah, I think we did a good job of covering that. The desired effect here is that if you're behind, you don't want it to snowball too hard. So some sort of comeback is good. But if you're ahead more than X amount, yes, then exactly. you really just, let's just at let's that just point, you, you want a book. mechanism to just end the game. I think that's generally good advice for practically any competitive game. So it seems to be all in order here. Support for this podcast comes from patrons like you at patreon.com slash Serlin. You can become a patron and support the development of more finely tuned Serlin games, as well as more content on this podcast. And if you do, you get access to a sneak peek at art that's in development and playtest materials for upcoming games. You also get access to a special second podcast where you can hear behind the scenes of how we actually solve design problems. That's patreon.com slash Serlin. The next thing I want to mention was, to me personally, it is very important to be able to play the character I want to play. So much so that I can't imagine a game system that wouldn't let me play the character I want to play. So big thumbs up to the the menu system approach of Heroes of the Storm, where in the quick match, you pick your character and then you get in the queue and then it finds a team for you so that there is no such thing as like... You know, I can't be, I don't know, Zagara because someone else is or whatever. So I don't know. You guys, what do you guys think of that? Well, do we get to rate it thumbs up for the casual mode and then thumbs down for the competitive mode? Yeah. Right now I was only talking about the casual mode. I didn't get to the competitive okay. mode. Gotcha. So, so for the, I mean. Thumbs up for quick match. Any, yeah. Yeah. Like thumbs way up. Is there even another side to it? Like. <laughs> no, it's, it's, I think it's just the perfect way to handle Anything like that, any game should really follow the model of pick your character, then queue for a quick match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It also cuts down yeah, time definitely. before the game starts. Like, there's so many like little right. time things removed from MOBA that this game does right, and that's, okay, the team is well, already not, not only yeah. Not only does it remove time, but it also means you're going to have less ridiculous bad team compositions. Since Heroes of the Storm, even though it's much more lenient than other, other games in the genre... It still has parts of the machine design yes. where, you know, you want some supports and some tanks and some damage dealers. And if you have to queue your character ahead of time, well, then the system can put the different pieces together. Mm-hmm. But if you select once you're already paired, then everyone might be a jerk and just pick the same role and then you're screwed. True. Yeah. So it, it mitigates that. Did you know that if there is no tank on your team, it will not match you against a team with a tank? Right, right. Yeah, That's, if the queue is hurting and can't find, you know, a nice mix, then it will match you with an equally uneven team. Yeah. Uh, right. So, I mean, that's an example of something where, like, they had the right idea all along, I think, but then they kind of refined it by adding extra rules here and there. That's one of them. So they found that when the team composition is kind of uneven, but it's sort of the best we could do, if it turns out that it's uneven where you don't have a tank and theirs is uneven where they do, that the win rates were not good. So... 
they address that. Yeah, indeed. And also, it's worth noting that those crazy weird games where both teams are weird team compositions actually are some of the most fun and unique games that you get to play. Oh, I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. I, sometimes they're just horrible. Like, in the early matchmaking days of Heroes of the Storm, I've had situations where it's, like, literally no support versus support. And those were, like, just... Like, they felt unfun for me to win those on the side that I was playing support on or something. Um, I mean, it, it's a MOBA, so it can kind of go either way. The roles maybe aren't so important, you know, if you just play intelligently and realize that you don't have one of the parts of the machine, you need to, like, adjust that, so that's okay. And, and it's a quick match anyway. It's not, like, the most epically serious of modes, so I, I tend to not really get too frustrated about weird compositions and that kind of stuff not working. I like it as a one-player game. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, yeah. I'm working on stuff and I could just play versus AI. And then if I feel like having different AI, quote unquote, different AI, I can quick match. Yeah. It, <laughs> now they're all, yeah. You ran, random roll a teammate that talks crap to you for no reason. And then the other guy who just stays <laughs> yeah. bottom all game, that's an AI, you know? Um, okay. So about the, the competitive mode. So the competitive mode is not for me, is it? Because I would never play a game that told me I couldn't play a certain character, and that's exactly how it works. Uh, just to be clear, did they ever change it? Is there still no ban phase, and it's just a matter of no mirror matches, or did they actually add a ban phase? Currently, there's still no... I, I play a lot of Hero League. There Currently, there is no ban phase, and I don't know if they ever will do one in the actual in-game modes. But yes, if you watch Heroes of the Storm on... Any kind of like Twitch channel and like Cloud9's playing, whoever, like they do a ban phase um, and they still well, do all I, I don't think we could fault the game. For, I don't think we could fault the game for that, though. If the game doesn't have it coded in, I mean, if tournament organizers or, yeah. you know, silly people want to add that. Well, I mean, you can't fault the game for that. I don't right, think. right. It's a big deal in tournaments. And I, I heard they were considering adding it to the real game. I'm not actually sure on that. I heard that I could too. be. I don't want to miss. I don't want to misrepresent Blizzard when I'm not even sure what their stance is. But I, a few people have told me that they're. Blizzard was planning on adding yeah. hard coding bands into it. There's, are, are the bands uh, that take place in these tournaments ahead of picking characters, or is it like Dota where it's split. like meshed throughout the? It's split. Okay. You, you do. Why don't you tell them about that Tyrael ban, which is like oh, that's my the favorite. biggest travesty. It's my absolute favorite. Go ahead. All right, so at um at the BlizzCon Heroes of the Storm World Championships, Team Cloud Nine actually won highest level of play and yeah. top team they're, they're, cons what we're they're considered about. the first like world champions of heroes of the storm all right and this was in a tournament where people discovered that the hero Tyrael was very very strong he's always been strong for a long time but he takes a lot of coordination for teams to use effectively and at this particular level of play Tyrael was either i, I think he went 15 and 0 during the whole tournament in matches that he was played in and he was banned like every other time so either he got banned 100% or he went 15 and 0. And I may be wrong about him being banned 100%, but I know for a fact that he was 15 and 0 as a character. So maybe highlighting slight balance issues whatever. Then doesn't know. I don't really know about that. But in a post-match interview after Cloud9 won the championship, their team captain Dunk Train, they asked him, "So, I realized that you guys banned Tyrael in pretty much every single tournament game that you guys played." And he said, "Yeah, yeah. So we know a lot of the European teams use Tyrael a lot." And we kind of don't over here in the U.S. And like we don't play the character and we kind of don't know how to play against the character. And we know that they did. So we pretty much just banned him every single game so we wouldn't have to deal with him. So Daigo, you just came off this great tournament win of the biggest Street Fighter tournament in the world. Uh, we noticed that you banned Blanca every single opponent you fought. Even when you fought like the master Bl Blanca player, the best Blanca player in the world, 
you know, we didn't get to see that guy play Blanca. What was your thinking behind that? He's like, well, you know, Blanca's tough to beat. I don't really know how to beat Blanca. Just figured I'd ban him all the I think time. I'd win more if I didn't have to play against Blanca. Like, you know, that's that's play to win, right? <laughs> that's play to win, right there. Right, it is play to win. Of course, you should do that. But what a terrible state of affairs that that's what's happening. Yeah, and that was like just public knowledge that used off the cuff. Like, yeah, and then everyone was like, "Oh, wow, so strategically intelligent, dunk train, just like this <laughs> tactician master." Um, Bringing his team Cloud9 to victory. So, so good. Like, I wish, I, I don't wish because I hate this sort of thing and I argue against it all the time when in the Yomi community we talk about alternate formats for tournaments and whatnot. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, I would love to play a tournament where I could just ban Geiger and I never have to fight another Geiger. Good luck to all of you. But then, you know what that means is I never get to play my main character, Midori. So, Right. So maybe I don't do well. Yeah, or you always do because, uh, or, or maybe you do because he's unplayable. But True. No. So that kind of brings me to the whole Hearthstone thing. Like we're getting on topic of bans now and how silly these are. I think Blizzard. You know, this is another Blizzard game. So Hearthstone's now official format is Conquest. And if you don't know what that is, it's like you pick three classes in Hearthstone. So say I play Paladin, Priest, Warrior, and I have to win with each of those against your guys. So if my warrior deck wins, I ban my own warrior deck and I can't play it. And then I have to win with my paladin deck and then I have to win with my priest deck. And the first person to win that whole setup wins. And that's how that works. They were talking about to make the game more interesting and to make a more diverse meta game, right? We would have one player pick four classes. So now I'm picking priest, paladin, and warrior, and mage. And then my opponent gets to ban one of those four things that they don't like to play against or that they think I'm strong with. And this is supposed to be like a more rich and like tactically deep format. But to me, any format where I need to be my fourth best character needs to win is kind of flawed. <laughs> like, I don't know. Well, I mean, yeah, if you think about what all that really does, I mean, aside from some sort of balance issue, but I mean, who knows what the specifics are. So let's ignore the balance issue side of it for a second. Let's just talk about the player okay. skill side. You know, if you're known as the best paladin player, for example... And now you have to add this fourth class. Well, then all we've done is replace you playing the thing you're the best at with the thing you're the fourth exactly. best at. Like, what on earth are we doing? If any game designer listens to this that has bands in their game, what are you thinking? Right, I'd that hugely know. lowers the level of play, actually. Yes. Right? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like, oh, it's so much more strategic or something. But you've really hit it on the head there is that when it comes to the part where the gameplay is in progress. We're actually watching you play. We're not watching a pre-match decision or something. But the real game, when the real game is being played, we get to see your fourth best character instead of your first best. So would you rather see the best player in the world play their best character or the best player in the world play their fourth best character? Right. Well, no, <laughs> I like mean... incredibly But, but if you win <laughs> the grand finals with your fourth best, then that means you're like the most skillful dude ever, right? I think that's the weird apologist argument for banning and whatnot is that, well, a good player would not just play one, would not just play Paladin. He would be good at every deck and we get to see that in action. But I, I, I'm with you guys. I, I don't agree with that at all. Well, yeah, look, I mean, that, I mean that, that could be a true statement and still be way more boring it, yeah, and not fun. Right. Yes, it can be a true statement that, I mean, you can redefine a good player to be a player that is average at a lot of things, but <laughs> uh, it's a more interesting definition to, I don't know how to put this, but it's objectively true that when the gameplay starts, you're seeing a lower level of Indeed. skill. You definitely are because you're seeing the fourth best instead of the first best. So even if that player is quote unquote better overall, that can be true while we are seeing a definitely lower, standard a lower of level of play. Okay, so in the Hero League, not tournament, not best players in the world, but still competitive mode, that has what I would call the passive-aggressive Euro game ban yeah, system. Yeah. 
Like if I pick a character, then your team can't have that character. That's correct, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. So why is that? I can't think of any good reason. Tradition. I mean, mirror matches are allowed in quick match. If Rainer is on my team, Rainer could be on your team. But then in this more competitive match, if Rainer's on my team, Rainer can't be on your team. What's with that? Just, uh, I, have nothing. I, I think it's just tradition and player perception. Like people already think games are way more unbalanced than they are. You deal with this all the time. Like just hearing like, oh yeah, the six four matchups are unplayable and Midori's unplayable and just all these these things. People, I think people generally feel that there is like a clear top five characters in the game or something. And you know, it's a okay. There's a clear top five characters in the game, and therefore, if I pick one of those, then you shouldn't also be able to pick one. Like that doesn't even follow. That's what I mean. It doesn't yeah, it's follow. it's like it's like we're jockeying for position for who gets what, and you know, that's like another layer of deep tactics. But honestly, I think that if we could make Heroes of Storm a better game in terms of like character design, right? I think that I've always talked about with other friends about like Dota and the band system being kind of a band aid for a very Maybe simplistic hero design where heroes are far more one dimensional than you could make them. Like they fulfill a very specific role in Dota usually, whereas like this character is literally used as this exact thing for certain situations. If the game were less like that and we had more like Ryu's and Zangief's, I think that we still wouldn't see the top five characters, the same five versus the same five for every game and the game would get boring. And I think that's what the fear is. I think people think that every team in Heroes of the Storm right now, if we had mirror pick in ranked mode, even if you did a draft where you go back and forth and you can still kind of counterpick and do that kind of stuff, that may be the more interesting way to do it, right? Like allow mirror pick, but let you do like a little drafting thing still and not have any soft bands. I guess characters. I, don't, I don't want that either. Right. Though, but because it, I think people will still be afraid that, okay, every game now is going to be Murd and Kael'thas, Raynor, Taronda, Zagara or something. They're afraid of that happening versus, you know, a mirror match of those two things. And Blizzard is like, okay, we'll just do the thing that everyone else does then, and we'll just have this thing where you can't pick the same character on both sides. Well, one thing that's interesting is, this is kind of a random factoid. I don't know if this is still true, because I haven't followed League of Legends in quite a few years. But for a while, the Korean leagues of League of Legends, in their best of five series amongst the pro teams, if it went to game five, they would swap from the normal drafting mode to blind pick, where you could just pick whatever you want and mirror matches exist, just like Heroes of the Storm. And somehow you would see an overlap of maybe one or two characters at most. And that's in the nice. mode where yeah, there's only one map. There's only one map. There's, you know, you know, these are the best players in the world. They know what's good and what's not. And even then, you wouldn't see just like pure mirror matches all the time. When this I, b- I believe that. And that's Completely, a, you know, I believe that. Yeah. And just to play devil's advocate, the closest thing I've ever heard to a compelling argument against mirror matches is that mirror matches are usually less exciting. And while that's not nearly good enough as a reason, I think I tend to agree with that. I mean, certainly not a reason to ban them. I, I agree they're less the, exciting, but that is, that's not a good enough reason. Yeah, you can enjoy right, them exactly. less. That's fine. I, I, I right, hate, I hate right, the ETC I, mirror in <laughs> Here's the Storm. I hate that thing. I mean, so, yeah, I would agree in general, mirror matches are less exciting, but the much larger force at work is you should be able to play the character you want. I would give that plus a million and mirror matches boring, like, you know, minus 10 or something. Right. Uh, And uh, along the same lines, like if we did the drafting, like, so your team picks and then my team picks and then your team picks and now it's my turn to pick. And I'm like, oh, I want to play a. Zagara, and then my teammates are like, "Oh, you're being an idiot to pick Zagara based on this situation." Man, what are you doing? You're fifth pick, you know. Yeah, I just think that shouldn't exist at any level of play. Right, right. Like, let's just blind pick. Let's just, you know, 
come up with our team ahead of time. And if I turn out to be a little bit behind in balance, you know, my team versus yours, it still should be within mission parameters that like it can be overcome by skill. I just like to remove all possible forces of you're stupid or you can't. Uh, you're stupid if, if yeah. you pick the character you want or you just literally can't pick the character. Well, one thing want. that's sad to me is that due to the oh, mode, wait, like, what, let's one say... One more thing, one more thing. And that is why in Puzzle Strike, it is the way it is, that you choose your character and then you see the bank. Because if you could see the bank first, it would be exactly like this, here's the storm draft thing I just said, where yes. you would very often feel stupid to ever pick a certain character. And I just think it's better to take the risk of, like, I want to play BBB, so I'm just going to pick him and I'm not an idiot because I picked him. And then sometimes you get a bank that's a little better or a little worse or whatever, but it just feels so bad to ever be presented with a situation where you feel dumb to pick your own character. Okay, go ahead. Right. Well, I was going to say, just for personal experience for me playing Hero League, my favorite character in the whole game by far is Nova. And if I'm the first pick, I cannot pick Nova because there's like hard counters in the game to Nova. If I first Uh. pick Nova, they're going to pick the counter to Nova. The only chance I ever have of playing Nova is if I'm the last pick in the game. (laughs) Wow, that's a really dumb situation. I was going to bring that up. That was my next point about this whole situation, actually. And just to tie that in, let's say she wasn't my favorite character and I actually hated Nova. I still think gimmicks in general are pretty fun. Like, yeah, sure, they could be quote unquote less skillful. Like, for example, I can think of back in the time where I played World of Warcraft, uh, pro team once picked three rogues as their team for a game because it was blind pick in the first game and then loser got the counter pick. So in the first game, they picked three rogues, which is like, what the hell's going on? And then they killed them. They won. And that was really exciting. The fact that, you know, if it's blind pick, they could pull out some crazy thing that'll catch you off guard for a single game. Like, yeah, that does cause more variance in the outcome of the tournament or whatever. But I think it's way more fun that way. Yeah, and the point I was going to make about Nova was exactly that thing, was that she does have a pretty polarizing character design by default, right? And this makes her, strangely, a better quick match character than in an actual hero league character. Because Nova's actually not a bad pick. A lot of people consider her a pretty like terrible character in terms of power level. But she's a very, very strong contextual pick. When the opposing team doesn't have the appropriate counters to what she does, and they're playing a lot of squishy characters without much escape tools, and like you're playing like a Kael'thas, Jaina, Malfurion. There's lots of stuff. There's lots of times you could pick her, right? You want to play her in the context of that situation, because this is a MOBA, and characters are designed that way. So... When you play Nova in Quick Match, she can be either extremely powerful or actually kind of useless. But in Hero League, she doesn't show up if she'd be useless. She only shows up in the context that she's going to be really, really strong. So it's really hard to nail down, is this character good? Is this character bad? Well, it depends on the mode you're playing. That's weird. If you get to be like first pick in Hero League, now you can't actually play the character you want to play. What if you don't own one of the top tier characters that are like, you know, highly contested first picks like Kael'thas or... You somehow made that sound like a good thing for Hero League, but it's just purely bad. The Ephotics example that yes. if you were the first pick, then you I can can't tell pick you her, how but you, the, same, the same human later in the, in the lineup can pick her. It's yes. crazy. Uh, team League fixes this though. So if you play with a team of five... You end up with Team League, right? And you can do this thing where you're drafting back and forth and you still have the same situation where you, I pick a hero, you guys pick two, we pick two. But me and my four buddies are deciding what we're going to play and I'm always going to play the support when I'm playing with my teammates. That's just my role and I've done that for a very long time. Either I play like a support or I play like a tank or something. But we know we want to pick our support late in the lineup. What Team League lets you do is it lets you actually, any player can just select a character and hit go. 
when it's our team's turn to pick in the draft. And then that's our pick for that round, regardless if they were fifth or fourth or second or whatever. And it, and yeah, it, it works because you're playing in team league, but it could never really work in hero league. So it's like, I consider like quick match, A plus hero league, like F minus. And then like team <laughs> league is like, okay, has some of the complexities of what the draft system is kind of supposed to do. So maybe like B plus is kind of okay. But then you still have, you can't mirror pick and there's just issues, like just MOBA issues also, that lead to this. One last little thing about the drafting thing and how Serlin wants none of that for gameplay reasons, but it's also just going to be faster in the tournament. I don't have to watch people draft. Yeah. Just you pick and then you Very play. Good. Oh, but the draft is so exciting to watch. A 15-minute uh-huh. pregame. No, actually, actually, it, it is exciting because when the draft happens, like back when I used to watch Dota or League of Legends, when the draft starts, that's where I can go get my snacks and you know go to the bathroom <laughs> or whatever. Go. Because I know the game's going to start in five minutes, so that's good. Yeah, yeah. Before we wrap up, I wanted to give my nitpicks about the controls. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's two things that drive me crazy. So one is, why don't I have WASD controls? Why can't I directly control my character? I want to give a specific example to make it concrete of like what I'm talking about. Let's say that my character is kind of on the left side of the screen, and over on the right is an opponent that... I want to click on, but not quite yet. We're kind of dancing in and out of range. And in just a moment, I will click an ability over there on the right side of the screen. So I want to move my character left and right and left and right. And I've got to move the mouse like all the way to the left of my own character and then all the way to the right and all the way to the left. It's like a lot of movement of mouse just to stutter sit back and forth. And during all that movement, the mouse is, of course, not on the enemy because, you know, I've got to move it to the left and right of my own character. And then suddenly I have to put it on the enemy and click the ability. And that's just a lot of unnecessary movement. Like it's an interface that's more complex than it needs to be. If I could press AD, AD, AD the entire time hovering over the enemy, it would just be so much simpler to play. And for really no loss, like, so there's a video out there I've seen where someone has kind of written their own script, like hacky thing. What it does is it takes everything you can do in the game right now and doesn't remove any of it. So if you're using this script, there's no loss in functionality at all. But in addition to everything you can normally do, you can move your character around with WASD. And it's just so much better. Why is this not an option? Why is it not an option? Tradition. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, keep saying tradition, Bloodline Champions had a perfect man. BLC. Yeah, and they use WASD, right? Right. Okay, I've got another one, my last complaint here. Now, the first complaint about the WASD, you could just disagree with me. You could say that that's a dumb preference or something, even though I gave a pretty good reason. But this next one, this is crazy. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what they're thinking. Like, it, it, they need to fix this immediately. You, are, you know what I'm going to yeah, say? Yeah, but it's so funny that, I'm not going to spoil it, but it's so funny that I never even noticed because I played MOBAs for like 10 plus years. And so when you mentioned it, I was like, hey, you, you're right. I never even realized. <laughs> hey, this is totally nuts, all right? It's about what does the left-click button do. There's three different modes you can set within the UI. You know, you're not doing your own mod or something. It's three different modes. They are normal, quick cast, or quick cast on release. Okay, if you do normal, then you press a button on your keyboard to do an ability, and then you click the left mouse button on the screen exactly where you want to do the ability. So that's two clicks. If you set it to quick cast, then it's reduced to only one click. And when you press the button on your keyboard, the ability immediately fires off wherever the mouse already was. 
And that is just faster. I mean, objectively speaking, it is faster because it is a single click instead of two clicks. So after playing the game, even a very short amount of time, I realized, oh, I'm basically forced to quick cast because it's, it's just better. Whether I like it or not, I'm, you know, I'm, the system's kind of forcing me to. But it's a little unfortunate to have to do it that way because if you do it the normal way, then when you press the ability button, you get a nice on-screen display of the range of your move. Like if it's a linear shot, you can see how far will it go. If it maybe attacks in a cone or something, you can see how wide the cone is. It's a very, very nice UI. But if you quick cast, you're not getting any of that. So the third option is quick cast on release, which is very nice because it's a compromise between the two. On that one, you press and hold the button and then you get to see the nice UI. And as soon as you let go, you fire. So that means if you want it to be as fast as possible, you just quickly press a button a single time and your shot will fire. So that's better than the normal way. It's also better than the quick cast way because you have the option anytime you want to hold the button down and see the exact range. And I find that that is very, very helpful. Okay, great. So what's the problem? The problem is if you set it to either quick cast full or quick cast release, which is two thirds of your options here, the left mouse button will do nothing, literally nothing. And what it obviously should do is attack wherever you click. If you right click on a guy, it's saying move towards it and attack and ignore everything else on the way. And what left click should do is move towards it, but don't ignore everything else in the way. Currently, what you have to do for that is press the A button and then left click. But left click itself does literally nothing. Now, to just unravel how crazy this is, you might say, well, if left click does literally nothing, then couldn't I set on my own some other function? Maybe I could set an ability, you know? Of course, what I want to do is I set the A button to left click. That would make the most sense. But can I just set anything? Okay, let me answer that for you. There's three ways to set things, set buttons in the UI. There's the basic way, the advanced way, and then the really advanced way where you edit a text file. The really advanced way, Blizzard says they don't support it, but they're not against it. So you can do that if you want. Now, using any of those three options, it is impossible to set anything to the left mouse button. <laughs> can you believe that? I didn't until you told me about it. And that's after having played yeah. like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of games. One footnote there is if you set it to quick cast full, not quick cast release, but quick cast full, and you edit the text file, it is then possible to set something to left click. But not the simple way, not the advanced way in the in-game UI. But if you set it to quick cast release, which is the only one that I want to use, then nothing will save you. Not even editing that text file can ever set anything to the left click button. So yeah, it's interesting that you did not even notice that. I guess your I'm a dinosaur. your habit is yeah. You, so you play the not the quick cast way, right? Like the right. press a button and then left click. Yes, I do. Way. And I have I have tested like hundreds of games on quick cast. I really just don't like it. Funny enough, I also, despite playing characters that would benefit from quick cast, also hate quick cast. What about the on release method? Have no, you tried I don't like that, that one? Yeah, I, I'm allergic to anything that says quick cast. Well, but it's. Isn't it objectively better? I mean, it's one press instead of two. Like, what's the other side of the argument? It might just be a feel or a comfort thing, but it could just be a get good thing that maybe I would be a better player or something if I used quick cast literally. I think at this point, it would be a matter of muscle memory. Like, I'd have to remember to hold down, like, the Q button. Otherwise, I might accidentally start sniping when I don't want to. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, if your position is that, like, yes, it is better. It's just that you are super experienced in doing it this other way. 
than that's right. what it yeah, is. And, and I'm not trying to say that yeah, Quick Cast is worse that. or better. I don't think any. I don't think either one. Okay, I'll, maybe I'll concede. Well, but Quick it's cast. faster. Okay. I mean, I don't. <laughs> but it's it's not the same hand doing it. That's like my thing. I don't know. I, I like that my left and right hand are working in concert to make sure that my skill is extremely accurately being placed. Like I'm just that's what I've always done, and it, it feels really really nice. And but your left and right hand are working in concert, and the other one too. Because your right hand puts the pointer where it yeah, yeah. goes. The, the, the quick cast on release, I think, is strictly better aside from muscle memory issues. Yeah, it's just it's going to take too long for me to actually adjust to it after like thousands and thousands of MOBA games. Even I don't even notice the A left click thing. A left click, right click, A left click, right click. Like that's a thing that you do constantly as like a little Twitch reactional thing. And I don't notice that I'm doing it. <laughs> Just, I guess, but yeah, I'd, I'd mean, have to relearn. It makes so much sense to have yeah. to have left click and right click like do the same thing. Oh yeah, except one of them attacks things along the way and the other one doesn't. Totally, like in- instead of one of them doesn't and, and the other one does nothing. At the, all. the thing is, like I, I feel like even if left click was just attack ground, a part of my brain would still tell me to just hit A before I left click. And I would <laughs> feel better anyway. I would feel. I would hit those pleasure <laughs> yeah. centers, and I'd be like, "Okay, this is actually what I'm working. This is everything's going good." It's like a nice uh, comfort blanket. Yeah, yeah, it's a comfort around blanket. you. And like, even when I when I use quick cast, I find myself left clicking. It's just such a thing that I'm used to. It's placing like it's not even that I'm slow at doing it. Like I'm far from a slow like like mobile player, and it's you know it, I just I just I've tried it. I have given it a, a fair shot, and it just doesn't work for me. But I'll, I think I'll Blizzard must not use either quick cast option because I can't really imagine their playtesters playing this game all the time where the left click button does nothing and can never be set to anything. Yeah. <laughs> and just finding that normal. Yeah, it's just, that's normal. That's that's the thing. Like, I agree with you, though. I think that what they should have done was the, the basic UI for Here's the Storm probably should have been something like, okay, quick cast and release is the default. And in the tutorial, you learn because Uther tells you. That left click is attack ground and A does absolutely nothing. And then you just have this checkbox hidden somewhere in the UI that says classic dinosaur mode. And then Leontes can yeah, be happy exactly. and go click that button. And then I'm like, yay, this feels like Dota. Now, can you put a skill sounds... on letter N for me so that I have a really hard time pressing it instead of QWER or whatever? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Speaking of that, I changed QWER right away. Why in the world would I want? To so I use a computer like ten hours a day, and my hands are on ASDF for everything ever except for these MOBA skills. Oh, dude, because you press A to do well, attack round. That's, that's what I do. N- no, I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't though. <laughs> is that maybe that's why? Yeah. Like imagine that A A wasn't and attack S round. is stop. Then and D yeah, is your okay, trait. But, and I'm told these things, so I do them. Okay, so that, that's tutorial, all right? Yeah, but my main actions like. <laughs> The, my spells like that should be the home row that's what i said it to it seems the most logical i don't really get why i would want the main things i do all the time to be one row higher than where my hand rests the other 10 hours of the day uh-huh. <laughs> yeah maybe maybe fps should go with the time and to move is actually qwe and two <laughs> <laughs> so uh, having skills on q and e would make sense if WASD was moving around and i did that in world of warcraft but when I can't move around, then yeah, I would move the skills down. I don't know. So at least I can move the skills to ASDF, the, sure, the yeah. simple yeah, yeah. interface. They're simple, advanced, and super advanced. But all three of them let me do that. But nothing can <laughs> map anything to that left-click button. Yeah, totally. That's, 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 that's a funny like oversight that I'm sure none of them ever even thought of. <laughs> you know? 
All right. Any closing thoughts, Aphotics? No, uh, other than the fact that I really think that this is the only MOBA worth playing, at least that I've played. I mean, maybe there's some more indie ones out there that are good, but compared to League of Legends or Dota 2, Tears of the Storm just blows them out of the water entirely. I played Dota since like Eon of Strife and like Hero Arena, like back in the early, early days of Warcraft 3. And I, I can echo the same thing. It's like you have Stockholm Syndrome for old MOBAs. Like you just keep playing them, even though they're bad and you don't realize they're bad. You just do it because it's what you've always done, right? But Heroes of Storm is just a huge breath of fresh air for the MOBA genre. And I'm really kind of excited to see where it goes from here. I still wish that we had, like you guys said, like either blind pick and ranked or mirrors are allowed or any other thing that could then make hero design less one-directional, like a Nova-type character or something, to where I just want to play my main and, and play my main. and I, I agree with that that point. So that's my only concession, but that could be just what people enjoy in the MOBA genre is just a wide variety of characters and people playing all kinds of stuff. And this might be... maybe, maybe nah, I don't think it's necessarily evil. I think we could do something like, like that that doesn't do that, right? But... So here's my. I mean, if that if that were true, sorry, but if that were true, then shouldn't you just pick a role and then it randomly gives you a character of that role? That'd be even more diverse. I guess so, right? <laughs> if the game is balanced enough, but you know, hey, there's only <laughs> X good characters, right? That's like public opinion. So, <laughs> well, it's nice to be able to practice a character and then pick them. True. So here's my closing thought: After years and years of this genre feeling stagnant to me because it's had all this cruft, now we have something different, and what I've I kind of forgot to mention is that I was talking to game designer Soren Johnson. Shout out to his podcast, the Game Design Roundtable. And he mentioned to me that in 2007, he talked to Rob Pardo, who was then VP of Game Design at Blizzard. And Pardo was telling him about Dota. and They discussed it. And Pardo's point at the time was that many of the mechanics in Dota, so I think last hits and deny being prime on that list like they didn't need to be there and that it's not just that they were unnecessary but they were actively negatively contributing to the design and this was a discussion in 2007 (laughs) from the top talent at blizzard so i was surprised to hear that but it's kind of interesting to hear that that even way back then i guess Pardo was on to all this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and it just took all these years because, of, you know, there's there's a lot to do at Blizzard. There's StarCraft 2 to make and, and so on. But they finally got around to, uh, to knocking out of the park and showing the world that you don't need last hits. <laughs> cool. Let's go play. I want to play now. I'm feeling it now. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I'll go play. There, sounds good, man. Done. Leontes, <laughs> okay. hashtag Thanks for coming on the show, guys. Come get me. A Photix hashtag eleven oh eight. Get me on there. All right, take care. Have a good one, guys. Bye. All right, take care.